0: Hi kids! Hi kids! Welcome to East and Chill. Welcome
1: to East and Chill. Episode
0: twenty two. Twenty two. The holiday spectacular. Ooh, ooh, ooh. This week we discuss the best things to binge watch now.
1: Gatekeepers in fashion.
0: And influencer responsibility.
1: Plus, we count down our top ten moments, fashion moments of twenty nineteen. Enjoy.
0: Enjoy it. Here's to twenty twenty. Oh, I hope so. I Dreaming
1: of a Mauricio Christmas, I don't just know, like the all right. ones we <laughs> to know. Uh, white, I just
0: saw White Christmas over Thanksgiving with Claire, actually. Oh yeah, did it get you moment? in the mood? Two sisters. Do you know that song? Yeah, oh, I saw it a God. long
1: time ago. Honestly, it's it's not it's not one of my favorites. No, Christmas it's not movies, either. You know, Christmas movies can be very heartwarming, but they can also be very like. I don't know, there's a certain, like, nostalgia, and then the nostalgia goes into the fakeness of the time, and then I'm just like, I don't know. I I mean, guess Christmas go, bah, movies are amazing. Bah, I like Home Alone.
0: Oh, I do like Home Alone. <laughs> I like Home Alone. I don't watch it that often. I love Home Alone. they are o- doing I like another
1: remake of it. Mm,
0: they shouldn't. It's
1: just, this is what I was saying. Everybody's <laughs> doing remakes. And... What was
0: an, what's another Christmas movie you like? What are you like... Or top Christmas movies.
1: I don't really have any top Christmas movies, honestly. You know when I watch
0: at Christmas often, what? by myself and I cry what? all the time. What? Every, but I cry in a lot of things. Um, Breakfast at Tiffany's.
1: That's a beautiful movie. It's I not know. really a Christmas movie. No, it's not. It's just
0: like I don't know why I got into the habit of watching it at Christmas. Yeah,
1: it's nice. I
0: resonate a lot with you know Hollywood. Have no you lightly. ever have you ever read, <laughs> read the, the, the book? book? Yeah
1: and the book is so different I read
0: the book before I saw the movie actually oh I
1: had no idea about the book honestly when Mm -hmm. I saw the movie when I was younger and then I read the book and I was like whoa and it was such a great book but they are two very different stories sort of yeah. yeah. I mean you the know, book it's, is dark. The book is much darker. It's much more obvious what's going on.
0: It doesn't have all those Givenchy costumes. It doesn't the have
1: book. the Givenchy it, but <laughs> but the whole, you know, the whole kind of like prostitute angle is much right. more obvious and Present. darker right. and talked about right. whereas in the movie it's kind of hinted at.
0: It's like a mad cap like a mad dash comedy yeah, kind of a thing. Yeah. It's
1: like hinted at and kind of like more gold digger-ish. Then I don't I think, think it's. I mean, the movie gets pretty no, dark. But I, the that whole plot the with reason her brother, was, yeah, her that, husband, whatever. Yeah, her. but that I meant more like, you know, there's a. I think especially in in, you know, when you read about somebody who's like actually a, a prostitute versus somebody who likes dating, you know, richer guys because they're fun, and then gets lots of stuff from them. Right. Like there's a. There's a darker twist in there somewhere. Right. The us.
0: transactional aspect of it is very is different. Yeah. I mean, I don't think she's a girl about town dating rich guys. and I think she...
1: There's a little bit of that, though. There's a
0: little... Well, I guess with the Brazilian and all but that But then
1: stuff. when she talks about, like, the powder room and how much money she gets to just go to the powder room is kind of like, you know, you get you get a little of the transactional stuff, but I don't think that it's obvious. I think it's like a, one of those films that if you are really looking for the cues, then you, could you, see, yeah. you can see stuff. Well, but I mean, even not, in the beginning when
0: that guy's like waiting for her and he's like harassing her and he's like, isn't he buzzing? Do you remember? And he's like trying to get in there and she's like... I love you, huh? whatever, that, that like fat guy. And she's like, you yeah, have but to get out of he, here.
1: isn't he kind of like... Or John or whatever. But isn't that kind of build a little bit as like a, you know, just somebody who's infatuated with her? Right. I
0: mean, that's kind of the... I mean, it's the 60s. What somebody, did you want them to say? And also, the um, what's her name's outfits are Pauline Treger.
1: I mean, the Amazing. whole thing is so beautiful. I know. And then I think, too, the transactional, you know, it's even more transactional actually if you think about it with the with him mail with kit, the guy, yeah, yeah and his whole you know, she's being paid his apartment's being paid and I his rent is being paid by this by this amaz- by this woman who has lots of money. So his, I mean his decorator. Yeah. I think. <laughs> yeah. So I mean there's so much there's a lot going on and it's actually kind of a forward movie if yeah. you think about it. Well
0: else is just chic. It just looks good. It does it's, it's so inspirational. Very just good, to get your like
1: It's a very good looking movie and it's also very look nostalgic. ready for the spring for no- the new year. It's a nostalgic movie for people who miss that New York too.
0: Right. Okay. I think that's why I got into the habit of watching it. So I haven't seen you in a minute. Hi
1: Mauricio. Hi, Ingrid. Welcome to Isig and Chill. Welcome to Isig and
0: Chill. Happy right holidays. i in,
1: in the middle of my AS, ASMR
0: moment. I know. Istig and chill. The mm. holiday spectacular.
1: We haven't been around for a while. We've been both of us pretty busy and I know. there just wasn't a, a moment to really get this out but I'm I haven't happy really to do seen it. you
0: in person at all either. Like even socially. I think I saw you at um that event that what was that event? I think again? I s-
1: we saw each other Stockings at Rita's event. With care. And then that was the last time, yeah.
0: I know. Of, talk we talk pretty st- frequently though. Yeah, we talk
1: every day. <laughs> <laughs> but, but yeah, I think that was the last time we hung out, hung out. Yeah. I think that's true. Um What about
0: um Love Actually? Are you a Love Actually fan?
1: You know what's funny that you should say so that. Many First of all, hate that like <laughs> Yeah. Um I am a Love Actually fan. However, I think I watched it so much when it came out. It came out when I was in my late teens, early. It's old now. 20s. It's like almost twenty years old, right? It's almost twenty years old. I saw a
0: meme too on Instagram the other day that like Kira Knightley and the little boy are uh-huh. like five years apart. I, know, I told you, yeah, yeah. I told <laughs> Did you, you about send that, that to
1: me? Yeah, and I was like, yeah, because she was so young and he was so young that those five years really were crazy. Right. And now, you know, and I think she was playing somebody significantly older than she mm. was at the time. I mean, she was, I, you know, she was, speaking of Star Wars, she, she was... She was Queen Amidala's... She, yeah, uh, standing, and yeah. she was, like, what, 15 then Amazing. or something? And that was, like, two, only two years before Love Actually. So my... I like Love Actually. I think it's a beautiful movie, but I got a little sick of it. And right. so... And there's no, you know, the... I don't know. There's no, like... Tension there for me anymore, so I'm just like, oh, okay, you know. But it it has its moments, and it's a re- it's a beautiful movie. Right? It's a great Plus, movie. I like the Jodie
0: I like um Emma. I really relate to Emma. What's her name? Emma Thompson. Emma Thompson's um, character and the Jodie oh, Mitchell. Oh God! Then, you know, those sides now, oh oh yeah, and River. that
1: oh mm. God, it's such a beautiful song processing. and when she's like you've made a fool of me too yeah <laughs> and yeah. she's like "Cry." oh heart uh, It's it's that one's tough yeah and it's like you cast
0: it who's who which one would you play what I'd in probably, that movie I'd probably play the
1: Emma no I Thompson. think you'd be Emma
0: Thompson's husband and I'd be Emma Thompson yeah, they, and I'd catch why would Emma I be some... Emma Thompson's <laughs> husband kidding. what's his name because just... The wonderful actor who um, played Severus Snape in um, oh, what's Harry his name? Potter. I can't think of his name who passed away too Alan Ar- no
1: um, it's Alan something. This is terrible. We're like losing all of our pop culture references in our age. In our old
0: age.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, I, and then I, you know, I love everything British, but, mm. you know, not, maybe not everything.
0: I love everything British. Um, Do, um, yeah, what but are maybe watching?
1: Love Actually is my favorite holiday movie if mm. I have to pick one.
0: Yeah. What are you watching lately? I've been watching
1: so much stuff in my. I know you yeah. have. I just kind of like have been, binging... Did you see Marriage Story? I loved Marriage Story. Really, I thought it was so just dry. because of my oh my god, I loved it. Not I just because like, of my low key obsession with. with <laughs> I don't Adam think it's a so low key. <laughs> I'm just gonna call it low key.
0: I mean, you're admitting it to the public. It's a low key <laughs> obsession
1: with Adam Driver. I, I'm very well aware of what <laughs> it is. Um, but yeah, no, I uh, I th- I thought it was a beautiful movie because it's like. You know, I know this has been said in lots of interviews, but it's you know the telling of the beginning of a relationship at the end, right? And I, I, I think Adam, I think Adam Driver said that, and I just thought it was so good. No, but I, <laughs> but it's but it's true. And even the to start a movie that is base is about a divorce, is about a relationship at at, at a divorce as well, and dealing with it. But to start the movie, and this is not a spoiler for anybody who hasn't seen it. If you have not seen it, I recommend you run to your Netflix and watch it immediately. No, (laughs) I recommend that you do. Don't listen to Mo. Um,
0: Make up your own minds. Watch it. Email us. Mo's
1: like, listen to me. What do you mean? I'm invalidated. I'm not trying to invalidate you. Because I do do see its issues. Um, But the, the kind of intimate portrayal that they're trying to get at. And very realistically, so I was just very touched by it. Um, I was just I was touched by it. I know that for some people, it it's not fa- it's not fast paced. It could be a play, like it's not, you know, there's no bells or whistles. But no, it's, it's just been... very raw. I, I mean.
0: I I think everything's of the highest caliber. The acting is of the yeah. highest caliber. The writing is of the highest, highest caliber. Laura Dern's amazing. Scarlett Johansson, I thought, was amazing. Adam Driver. Like, the whole thing is really good. Um, Ray Liotta's character, he was kind of a genius in it, he too. He was great. Yeah. I think that's his best role in <laughs> years. <laughs> it's amazing. But it's just, it, it is so personal. Mm-hmm. It's such a personal experience. Like, it's almost like... If I was going through a divorce, I would watch that movie to get tips on like what to expect. But if you're not really what to expect when you're expecting. <laughs> right. when you're not really going through the process, right. it's just sort of like I don't really care about the way you guys are like oh, gonna break into up it. your. I, oh, I I could I got not into it because it and wasn't that's a, because long. for it's like, me. Long. For me, it
1: wasn't about any of the things that they were arguing about. It was about you know. Quite simply, again, not give it. I mean, maybe spoilers. Whatever, you can pause this for the next ten seconds if you whatever don't want to hear. But I thought it was about more about one person who was very strong in relationship and one person that was like very happy to go along with it, and then realized that she wasn't happy right. to go along with it, and she was, you know, started to understand that that was why that she wanted other things than what the person the person wasn't listening to her, and then she, since she hadn't communicated that very well the other, you know, the stronger perth, like let's say the alpha like felt that his, you know, when he was confronted with all this, felt that the rug had been pulled from under him. And he he never made a choice to be the person that he was. It was just the way he was and then things formed around him. He made
0: some choices though. No sleeping with that. A hundred percent. A hundred percent.
1: No, a hundred percent. Like it's not that's true. But in terms of in terms of like how he interacted with her you know, I think that happens often in our lives and I think, you know, now that mm. we're taking stock at the end of 2019, I think right. we've all been thinking about stuff like this, but that, you know, when you don't make choices or you're not being present, that is a choice right. and that things happen and that that doesn't mean that you can just be like I have no idea, it, right. yeah. And then I just yeah I just and I love I really do like Noah Baumbach I have you seen Squid in the Whale of course
0: I watched it recently too just it's a really like great movie before too. I watched Marriage Story just to get in that yeah. in his like and framework I,
1: I think that what I loved about comparing the two is that I think there's a subtlety to Marriage Story that didn't that was not present for Squid in the Whale I thought Squid in the Whale as much as I really liked it and enjoyed it was very. I don't want to say the word choppy because choppy is an odd word I thought to it use. It went
0: a little bit more like Wes Anderson. Do you know what I mean? Like a hundred, I, there was, a, and like... Wes
1: Anderson's actually involved in that movie. Oh
0: really? <laughs> yeah, okay. one,
1: yeah, and they're good friends. But I, I do, yeah. It, there was a little bit of the fantastical. There was a, right. an addiction in the way people spoke to each other, and the, the characters And the very time abrupt. period as
0: well, and the way.
1: It's funny because I actually, you know, growing up in the city, in it the was the eighties, right. Yeah, personally I saw a lot of things that made me feel like I was a kid watching that like right. my watching people who were my age. Like I I was probably younger than the younger boy because I was only born, you know, whatever, but I was like, what am I saying? <laughs> um, but, you know, and, but the way that people were talking, it wasn't a hundred percent natural, but for the marriage story, which is, you know, the squid and the whale was very much about Noah Baumbach. It Bonbach's. felt more
0: satirical. That was his, did, than... that was about
1: his parents. Right. They was taking from that divorce and for marriage story, he was very much drawing apparently on his, his own, own divorce. Right. And the way that the characters talk to each other relate to each other and relate to other people I thought was much more naturalistic and I could place myself there in a, in a different way.
0: I felt it was too personal. I understand I'm where really you're coming dead. from, but I just couldn't really get... I just I had no apl- applicability to, to my life in terms of, like...
1: But can't you watch things that don't apply to you then and have empathy for the... Uh, yeah, I could, but then I... I, then I mean, I'm, I, I'm not married. I'm no, not divorced. Oh, I don't know kids.
0: I know. I could. Of course I could, but it had no applicability in terms of even, like, any... Like, it just... The... Uh, to me, it didn't serve any kind of purpose in terms of like there was no joy, there was no, like, I, I lost me. I felt, I didn't feel sadness really for them. I was just you didn't
1: like, feel it felt
0: more like a documentary on oh, like wow. a marriage falling apart. I just, and like, I was just like, Laura I, Dern looks good. It hit me. Even though, like,
1: oh my god I, I, love just, Lauren, re- I love Lauren Dern's character so and but acts so well and when Scarlett Johansson was kind of like on her couch like telling her, that her story that first part oh I loved that too and she looks so like, good too and, and she, that jean and the and that, way that she the hmm. way that that whole scene is shot too she and at a certain point she's like blowing her nose, she mm-hmm. gets up, she goes to the bathroom, she keeps on talking, and I was like, I'm so happy that they shot it like this right. because it makes you feel like you're in it, because that's the kind of thing that happens when you're having a, that right. kind of conversation. You go to the bathroom, you're like still I talking. Thought it was bril- I did that, think like, it was
0: brilliant and well done and everything, but then it just... I cool. like I loved it. thirty. I was like, I can't watch the. I don't even think I finished the last thirty minutes. I was like, I'm not so interested no, anymore. It lost me. It. I Maybe really I should go back it. and try it again. I think
1: you should. I honestly do. I honestly do. You I, know what I, I saw it. the other day?
0: What? I ran. I texted you. I think I was what? out eating ramen, and I was like. Fuck it, I'm going to go see it. What? Like, first night it came out. What? Bombshell. Oh,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. You really liked it, right?
0: Oh.
1: I need to see it. I haven't seen it.
0: It's amazing. The way, it's just the tempo of the movie mm-hmm. and the way it's done. And I find the whole thing fascinating. Like, Roger Ailes and Fox yeah. News and the Murdochs yeah. and shaping, like, you know, the politics of this nation, mm-hmm. of the world. Really, it's And just...
1: having that guy be, you know, kind of. A predator in a lot of ways. Who Roger Robert Ailes. Ailes. Roger Ailes? Yeah, yeah.
0: I mean, he, not I know, in a lot in a of ways. ways. Like in he the is. way that you yeah. can be a predator.
1: Yeah. See, even I'm conditioned to speak about it in in soft terms. Yeah. Well, I know
0: it's crazy. I,
1: yeah, and I mean Margot Robbie and um, I mean Charlize Theron and Amazing Nicole Kidman. Charlize. I've heard and I've listened to actually, and I recommend this too. I listened to a, very recently. Terry Gross had her on. Talking Charlize? about the movie, yeah, right. and talked very, very specifically too about the prosthetics that she used on her face right. to look more like Megyn Kelly, and which how that was part of her process, and then looking at, you know the, and also she talks, uh, Charlize Theron, and she's been talked about this before, but she talks about her own uh, experiences with sexual harassment, uh, being a young, Hollywood model and actress, model and, all and things. actress, and it was. You know, and apparently, you know, there's apparently like a very famous director producer who, harassed, who her. harassed her, and she doesn't name him because I guess she had named him a long time ago when she started talking about it, and none of the journalists actually wrote his name. Oh, really? Yeah, and she was like, this is weird. So I, and now that she has this big movie out and is talking about it, she says, you know, I will at some point rename him and work with somebody who will print it. It's just that right now it'll overshadow what we're trying to do with this movie. And right. I thought that that was very fair. Sure. You know? I, I mean, obviously it's fair, but it's very, I thought that was, you know, well said and, right. and obvious, but yeah, I really need to see that movie because I'm fascinated and I'm fascinated about the pace and I love them. I love, I, yeah.
0: the I mean, it is interesting that she talks about the prosthetics cause, it, and the way she acts and drops her voice and the, you know, intonates and everything to sound like Megan Kelly, but it's, it, it's funny. She brings up the prosthetics because, um, what's her name Nicole Kidman plays Gretchen what's her last name Carlson uh huh Um, and so like when she's on air I mean she does a really good job too and she has the full prosthetics to look like her when she's on air and everything on the news everything but then like halfway through the movie as she when she sues him and she gets fired and then she's like living in Jersey and doesn't have like the hairdo and the dress and then she's like more casual or whatever Mm -hmm. in her own house like they don't use the prosthetics anymore oh really yeah I I mean I think they might but I'm just like wait it's just Nicole Kidman what happened to that nose
1: piece (laughs) (laughs) she left her nose at Fox Fox I know too. Apparently, clearly. I would like to see it too because have you been watching... Allison like,
0: Janney is amazing too and she's in it. Allison
1: like, Janey is an incredible actress. Yeah, I love... All and of I, it was so I nice. also love the fact that she didn't actually really start being s- successful. I mean, quote unquote, successful with success. But like... You know, really kind of mainstreamy, whatever people right. say it is. Until she was in her forties, which is very rare. That's for an what actress. That happens to us. It's, it's happening, kid. That's it's happening. happening. Kid. The energy's there. Um, um, yeah, no, but the, I was. Re- I'm particularly interested also in seeing it to kind of compare and contrast the way that they deal with the subject matter as opposed to that new Apple show, The Morning Show.
0: Oh, you told me to watch. That. A few people have told me to watch yeah. it because it's apparently A really lo- good. But... Some
1: people hate it. Some people like it. I'm in the like it. Brand. um i think it's very interesting how they yeah i have to sign up for it so the story behind it is that you know brian i always say his name incorrectly so excuse me but brian Brian shelt skelter he was uh the digital he started out kind of quote-unquote famous being famous in media circles i guess i mean maybe it was before this but i don't think so um when he was the digital director for the Times, he really kind of brought the, as I understand, he was in that documentary um, called Page One. I think it's called the one that's about New York Times, which is also really awesome. I recommend watching. it. you? Where is it available? Um, that for I don't know. Uh, you have to Google it and Page see one. where it's where it's available now. But it was, uh, it was in theaters. I think. I mean, this is uh, quite old. It's like we're talking like seven, right. eight years. Something like that. And uh, anyway, he wrote a book about morning TV and the insides of it and a story that was around it because he had been spending so much time um, at morning shows and kind of seeing behind the scenes. And his book was, I think, centered not around sexual harassment. And that could be incorrect. I didn't read it, but they moved it because that now, especially with Matt Lauer, that was a huge issue. Where is Matt
0: Lauer, by the way? That's a very good question.
1: But so they moved it and um to kind of be about me too within that kind of crazy world of morning morning news and uh jennifer aniston is incredible reese, reese witherspoon, witherspoon is incredible i mean the the acting is incredible and the writing is pretty good it, it feels very much like it's trying to be a little bit of an aaron sorkin-esque right. kind of thing i
0: got that vibe
1: and it's not bad uh, it it says it can be heavy-handed at sometimes, and it can be too. But I, but I feel like the way that they approach it is very interesting. Is it a bit like the newsroom? No, not as serious. It's more. It's it's serious about their own subject matter, but what they're putting on the airwaves is not as serious. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. And it is. It becomes serious, but it's it's not about you know chasing after certain stories, which newsroom was about. It was. It's more about you know chasing after these issues that they're having with each other Um, and what they're having in the media and what they're having with their network and what they're having with the, you know, the public and and what did you
0: think about? What do you think about Reese Witherspoon?
1: I think she's great. And the, the, the TV show too, you know, Steve Carell plays the, you know, the men, the man who's been accused and he gets fired. The first, so that's not a spoiler. He gets fired as soon as the show starts and his, the way that he thinks about what he's done versus the effect that it's had on other people and how easily some people are able to kind of bat certain responsibilities away in their right. head. Um and not understanding, you know, and not not being aware of, of their own actions. It's really uh it's I think it's very subtly done and very well done. Yeah.
0: Did you watch, I think I texted you to watch Last Black Man in San Francisco. Yeah, Have and I haven't watched it? watched it yet, no. I just like, it's something, my friend Jeff recommended it to me. I was supposed to go to the movies with him when it came out, I think over the summer. And I just didn't end up going with him and he went and he loved it. And then every time I wanted, I was going to go to the, the movies, it was like not, mm-hmm. it was like either I'm going to go to the movies and it's right after work and I want to go to the Angelica and let's see what's happening. And it was like playing an hour later. Mm-hmm. Um Anyway, it's on Amazon. Okay. It's amazing. Just watch it. It's beautiful. It's like the I I am so spellbound by this movie and just the story and the ideas behind it and the way it's just like uh, I don't know all these like different like like Different, I don't even know how to say it. Different cultural moments in history that were sort of, you know, like Joni Mitchell mm-hmm. and her and her musical over and like and like skateboarding culture in San Francisco and the way it's sort of and the idea of property and ownership and then sort of all lens through sort of African an African American mm-hmm. lens. It's kind of it just is so wonderfully eye opening
1: and it's well done, obviously. It's, it's well done,
0: so executed. And it's also just like. Cinematography, what it's beautiful. Okay, like, well,
1: definitely watch, it. and that's on Prime, right? It's on
0: Prime, yeah. So watch it.
1: I um, I've really just been binging, and know that we're gonna like finish this. Like, <laughs> yeah, I know but, we've been talking watching. because I mean, there's just so much stuff to watch within the two Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. I did watch it. I don't really necessarily need to talk about it. I loved it. <laughs> I I loved it, like for what it is, mm. you know. But I was watching. I have BritBox because I'm totally obsessed (laughs) with this stuff, and I started binging um, Prime Suspect like from the beginning, which is the uh, Helen Mirren Mm. uh, from. It started out in 1991, which sounds so a long time ago now. You were talking about this and then I think the last one, the suits and everything, and especially in the very beginning and the way that everybody dresses in the beginning and the way that most people dress towards the end and. You know the this evolution of this character for so long, and she she does it so well. So if you're into British crime drama and handsome women and and beautiful, it's just so well done that that I think that. uh, That's definitely worth it. Handsome,
0: natural-born women. (laughs) Um, So, yeah. That's that's, an inside joke. Anyway.
1: But, yeah. No. 2019, man. I watched a lot of stuff. Hey,
0: I feel like we broke a lot of news here. Like, Phoebe Waller-Bridge, I hadn't heard about her until we started talking about her here. And I was
1: obsessed with her. And it was, like,
0: then two months later. Like, not even. Like, three months later. Mm -hmm. Two months later, she was on the cover of Vogue. Mm -hmm. Heard it here first, kids.
1: Yeah. She's, you know, she's great. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Broadchurch, I want to talk about, too. And Phoebe Waller-Bridge is in season two. With Broadchurch, so
0: is that the Olivia Coleman?
1: Yes, it's so good. I know you keep
0: mentioning it. I need to, watch. I just broad there's church. too much to watch. There's a
1: lot to watch, and you know, it's good to be obsessed with sort of a genre so you can narrow it down and find right. the best ones. But but those are really Plus they're it's, good.
0: It's the holidays, and we have time to like binge. Hopefully, you guys do too. <laughs>
1: <laughs> hope you're working, hope like. you have
0: a few days <laughs> off, like we do.
1: Um, yeah, no, exactly, but, yeah, it was a big year though there was a lot of stuff that happened, and a lot of like kind of.
0: Things I to know. think about for
1: for the future, and there was an article actually that kind of summed up a little bit about not even just the year, but the decades. Certain right. significant things that, that I think that you had sent me. Was well, article? it was the
0: it was the gatekeepers in fashion. Mm-hmm. It's that business. Of, it's a, it was an op-ed in business of fashion, and I forget who wrote it. Let me Google really quickly for you, kids. Mm-hmm. Let me see if I have it um, on my phone. It is by Chantal Fernandez, uh-huh. and it's the op-ed: the end of fashion establishment gatekeepers. Um, mm-hmm. And it's a fascinating article, not not because... So basically the premise of the article is that the power has shifted within the fashion industry from a few people at the top of the industry, buyers, editors, stylists, you know... um, Buyers, did you say buyers? Yeah, let <laughs> me just say buyers. Buyers, buyers, buyers. Editors, Byers. stylists, designers. Um, from a few, well, not even designers. It's more like the people in between who would um, take what was happening on the runways and then get it out to the popular culture. You know what I mean? It was coming from this. They ivory. would
1: choose which ones to fast track right. and support and all that. Crap. And
0: coming, it's like coming from the ivory tower, sort of that whole mentality. Mm-hmm. But it's um, so that shifted, and that I think was probably the biggest shift in the last decade. Mm-hmm. Uh, it in terms the, of.
1: fashion influence yeah
0: well in terms of the fashion industry it's just I think the power shifted entirely to the people you know what I mean in a lot of ways in terms of I think you're getting you're able to like for example in the article they highlight Virgil Abloh who before he was even profiled in Vogue he had already amassed a following Mm -hmm. of 500,000 people Mm -hmm the of half a million followers and then so wow. and the only reason why he was profiled in vogue was because he was on the ascent to take over Vuitton Minz as the career as their creative director mm-hmm. you know what I mean when like this article should have happened long before when he started off you know he had started off wide and he was Kanye West artistic director so it just it's kind of um it's just interesting to see Where the dollars are going and where the influence is going in terms of where the corporations like it's such a fast, it's so transactional, it's so. See, that was
1: actually what I was gonna say too. I think that it's correct in a lot of ways, but like we've all talked about on this podcast before, many things can be true at the same time. So I think that yes, has. a lot of power has the power shifted I almost don't want to say that it's the power has shifted however democratized democratized yeah but uh, because Ish. it's still I think it's still very much ruled by certain people right and that is and I can get to that put a pin in that but I think that that's a very human let's come back thing. to that because they talk about that so it's a very human thing to do mm-hmm. but I also think that what the what I think is absent from this op-ed even though I think it's wonderfully done and very it's thought-provoking, and I think it's good that it was written, but doesn't talk about investment. What do you mean by that? So it doesn't talk about how certain people will, certain investors will choose to stand behind a brand. Right. And that money will also be a huge part of whether that brand lives or dies. Right. Not just how many followers they have. So, yes, is that maybe part of... Seeing the followers and seeing that kind of, for lack of a better word, energy behind a designer, you know what I
0: mean. It's like it's a about their
1: about their investments. Surely, absolutely, but there is something to be talked about where it's you know now it's not just about you know taking your fairy godmother wand and you know clinking somebody on the head and buying their you know their thesis and then putting it in a chic. Place and then having like right. the beautiful people like look the at Parenza it. Like the Parenza School Right, exactly. It opens
0: up talking about them.
1: And I'm sure that, you know, Parenza is also a very good point because it, you know, they've been looking for new money. In 2011, I mean, even before 2011, they were like Wonderkins, And right. people were like, oh, Pruenza And, you know, they weren't necessarily masked in this, in mass luxury in a, in a way. But they were definitely known. And they were cool. And they right. had cool friends. And they hung out with the coolest people. And the coolest people liked them. And their and shows they were, were hard to get into. Vogue, and they were yeah. getting covers. And they were doing all this stuff.
0: Profiles. And then at a certain
1: point, they... You know, sold part of their company to uh, what's his name? They sold it to,
0: and then Valentino. Valentino.
1: So it's like you know who then I think sold it on. So you know, it's it's. I think they bought it back recently. If they had more stability, for certain things, and maybe you know, in terms of money, that you know, who knows what would have happened. And so sometimes things just don't click. Right. It's just the way it is. I could probably write a paper about it if we had time. You guys probably don't want to hear too much about it. <laughs> but I do think the the point of us even talking about this, what well, I guess what I'm trying to get at is that big money stands behind a lot of fashion, and it's not just big money like the, you know, we talk about influencers and in media, but, you know, real investment goes into this stuff, and a lot of that has to do with whether a brand is successful or not. Well, I think something- And that, I think, needs to be part of the discussion. Right. Well,
0: I think something that's, I agree with you, but I think something that's interesting that you talk about, too, that that this article doesn't really, like, um, ta- it hints upon it, but it doesn't really go into depth about it, which is also, like, artistic integrity and artistic merit in yeah. terms of... So I think like the the way it used to work or this article what was disrupted was the structure of which fashion worked before in terms of the anointing Mm -hmm. of the celebrity designer like Anna finding McQueen or it wasn't really Anna it was what's her name. Isabella Blow. Isabella Blow. You're thinking and promoting. of. You're I'm thinking, thinking of, of um, Galliano, and you know Anna. You know promoting them and then creating them into these huge megastars, mm-hmm. right? And aligning them with you know the uh, right
1: people, the, and right, the right LBMH, next...
0: and mm-hmm. the right money, all yeah. those things. Mm-hmm. But it was based on artistic integrity and artistic merit. Of this is something new, and this is something mm-hmm. kind of. Mm -hmm. idiosyncratic its own it's a it's a singular voice that deserves a stage
1: championing championing a singular voice yeah
0: whereas now that the power has shifted democratized Mm -hmm. into the hands of the people into the audience of like likes and instagram followers and all these things that may be some like you know you get you get hoodies and sweats with logos. Do you know what I mean? Like, it becomes more about allegiances and it becomes more about branding and it becomes yeah. more about that than it does actually become about this is, you, you're recreating a bias cut gown. Right. You know, those, those, there's a loss, it's like lost in translation, some of this, you know, and I, technical skill, artistic merit, artistic skill. Not to say that they can't or don't, or, or do, you know right. what I mean? But I think that it, that's just where. Let there's a big shift so as let well. So me,
1: let me put this to you then mm-hmm. about this article. So the article itself is about how power shifted. We've you now established that. Right. Now, and democratization. However, I'll I would argue that it's always been a democracy in some ways. Because the buyer, if the person doesn't buy it, then right. it doesn't work. Right. Everybody right. has to make money. So that is the same. Right. What has really changed is what's been put who puts what in front of the public and who follows what and so it's, it's what's been democratized and it's actually like minutia I guess is the fact that voices that were so influential you know 10 20 years ago the cult, when you and I were coming up, the cult of the editor. Everybody wanted to be an editor right. because they were so influential. They didn't. Make I thought it was like the money. most important the job m- in the whole <laughs> world. <laughs> well, so. I didn't think it was the most important job, but I definitely thought that was important, and it definitely had, you know, it, it, people were respected in right. a different way. And now the that those stamps of approvals that were so coveted. Not so so long ago, are now of course are still significant, right. but not the end all. Right, and people have kind of like rebelled a little bit against that, and that has to do with eyes on, eyes on, you know, butts and seats, eyes on right. stuff, eyes on pictures, eyes people reading magazines, how they literally absorb. Like ten years ago, now that we're really thinking about this decade at the end of this year, you know, I didn't. I had a flip phone until... When did I get a a BlackBerry? I got a BlackBerry in 2008. And that was my first, like, quote-unquote, smartphone. Smartphone. And you weren't even really looking at images on that. And then I got another BlackBerry that you could look at. You could actually be on the internet. But it was very slow. (laughs) And it was just not what it is now. Um, And then I got an Android later on into the early 2000s. But it... You know, that... That was really the beginning. And so it's really been these 10 years right. when that has... And we thought before that, it's like, oh, you know, everyone's going to read things on their computer. And I'm like, reading on your computer? What? <laughs> no. I know. No. So now we're in a whole other stratosphere. So I guess what I'm trying to... I'm trying to get into those little details because I think they have significance in terms of how we'll process this information going right. forward. That it's not just about... Like, it's not just about democratizing. It was a democracy to begin with, but it's literally about the loss of the power of certain people... To be able to say, because obviously too, if if a lot of people are looking, you know, it's the right. mob mentality. If a lot of people say, and whatever Anna Winter says is the most amazing thing ever, right? And then it goes into a magazine, and then it trickles down, and then the then that's a trend that everybody's buying, or a lot of people are buying, right? And and it's very streamlined, and it's very like it's easy to kind of look at and understand. And now it's certainly with the proliferation of crazy information all the time and access to buy anything, anywhere, all the time, then you're gonna that's gonna change right no i
0: agree with you you know i i I do think that there is then this opens i mean this 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 new system that we're in then opens itself up to a lot of confusion Mm. and also like mass hysteria in terms of trends and i don't mean trends just like in blue is the pantone's color of the year or whatever i mean trends more in terms of business trends so Mm -hmm. for example i feel like you read about something like Although I don't think, like diversity in fashion, right, it's not really a trend. I think it's here to stay. But it's something I that hope it's, so. it's like a huge, it's like a huge shift, right. right? There's we're trying to be more diverse across the board. So and then one in a real way in a real way. So then one person decides that they're going to have a VP of diversity and inclusion. Gucci was like mm-hmm. one of the first. I think. Well, that was
1: because of that awful I mishap. <laughs> that I don't was, even want to call it a mishap because we so talked about it yes. here a few
0: months ago. Well, so it was so that so they did that, and then I think there's then mm-hmm. people, other companies, other corporations have followed suit, right? right to do the same thing to align themselves in that way and that's a great thing that's a good example of that happening but in this new paradigm that we're in it also leads to like oh we're now doing like you know what x brand is going to do a a different sales model for the season mm-hmm. and we're going to be in season and we're going to do this and this and that and then it, it can be like a luxury designer and then all of a sudden you see like 10 businesses shift their, their mm-hmm. thinking to try to do the same thing without even knowing that if mm-hmm. it works for them, does it work for, you know what I mean? It just becomes sort well, of mass people, hysteria in like... I think
1: people, and I saw it, you see it in the in the media industry and you definitely see I see it, that a lot
0: in my consulting work.
1: And I've seen a lot of it working for smaller brands, working with smaller brands and bigger brands from the brand's perspective of how they're going to market their stuff because the business itself is based on a very is based on an old model the right. whole thing is a house of cards. <laughs> yeah and so when you started taking things away like you know that having relationships with magazines are not as important is not as important anymore and you take away certain things and you take away certain ways that people buy people start buying a, what, are all left of a sudden, with? what are you then you are like where am I shifting what am I doing right. and I think that what we saw in the very beginning of the decade Where people, and I think it's less now, but it still happens, where people are like, okay, you're 23, so here's a, you know, you do the social media and, you know, just have at it, and because they think that they can speak some sort of language, but don't really look at strategy or think things through no, of course or not. try to understand because people were really, and I think it's also been changing so much in the past decade where in the very beginning of the decade, people were like, okay, well this is going to calm down, especially after the recession, this is going to calm down and we're going to understand it. And then we're going to restructure and right. then things will calm and then we can take a breath. They'll leave it out. And they never did because, because no, people kept just sped things, up, things just sped up because things kept changing and changing right. and changing and changing and changing. And changing. And so now we have to get used to the change. Right. So how do we create stability within change? And right. I, the best thing to do, not to be all like zen about it, but I think to abandon to really take stock of how things work. Right. To abandon attachment. Right. To the way but, but the way to abandon attachment to the way it works and see what works For now. You. Right. Um, And I understand that that's very hard to do when the basis of what you're doing is based on projections, Mm. but maybe we need to go back to a place where we accept that certain things are going to change. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. I Because people, and I'm sorry to interrupt you because I know I've been talking for a while, but it just seems the the basis of this business often has been older people men and women i'm not going to you know whatever older people being like this is the way that it works i've worked so long i've earned this i've right. earned that and then are for a larger part of this decade in a lot of ways and i'm not naming anybody holding on bare-knuckled for dear life right. for things to stay the same and i think that's hindered progress right Anyway, sorry. No, I, I agree with
0: know. you. No, 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 I agree with you. I was just gonna add to your, I was just gonna add to your comment. Also, to have some sort of strategy, I think there is that. I think I've I've seen that definitely in some of my, um, you know, just out there in the industry. I also out there, out there in the industry, <laughs> but I also see people who don't understand what's going on a lot, and just like what I'm, what I it's like what's your favorite word cacophony It's like a cacophony of like like likes like a million likes doesn't mean or a lot of likes doesn't mean that it's going to translate to dollars Mm -hmm. and that can't be your only strategy Mm -hmm. you know I think you really have to have like what are your long term goals what do you really think about your brand and how do you get there on a step by step day to day week to week month to month kind of a thing and really think about that and try to hit those goals and make sure that everybody's aligned and on board and be okay with change and like be there for change and and know that it could go, you know, that it could take a shit that, yeah. not it could it take could, a shift. It could like a shift. take a big <laughs> shift. <laughs> that it could no. take a shift and, and not be scared of and it. And not
1: be scared of it. And I think that's absolutely right. And, you know, in the last like five years or so too, and I think this is something that people took for granted pre this decade mm-hmm. where designers really need to, you know, what, it's like what I say to clients all the time and what I say to anybody all the time, what is idiosyncratic about your brand that other people can't get in the marketplace? Right. And to really get back to that and to really get back to what the brand is about. What's your brand about, Ingrid? No, but <laughs> like really get into what it's about because there, there will just be shifts in the industry right. always, but if you stay true to why you're creating right. Then, then that's got to be a large part of what takes you through the, the right, kind right, of the right. bumps of whatever this is. Well,
0: speaking of Proenza Schuller, um, Schuller. Schuller. Schuller, there was an interesting article in WWT, I believe. A few, it was when they presented their pre-fall collection and they talked about, you know, taking their business back into their own hands mm-hmm. and sort of restructuring um, how they were restructuring and how they were going to approach uh, their design the whole business strat- how the, the whole business strategy was changing and how that was affecting their designs because they were presenting the pre fall collection, and they and and within as a, for the first time owning it again and within the structure they also started talking about sort of house codes and what's been successful, mm-hmm. um, in the industry a lot of brands and it's what you're talking about. It's like having a, a voice that's authentic mm-hmm. and I think the the big way this is shifting on a, on a design perspective and in a design field is prior to this decade Mm -hmm. we really saw season to season designers be inspired by different things Mm -hmm. so one collection could be it's Japanese horror movies like Mm -hmm. a Rodarte and then the next season it would be something else and though they would approach it in the ways that they approach everything the collections could seem very disjointed Mm -hmm. and you and you don't really see that for the successful brands that are working today when you see like a Gucci or a Celine or a Vuitton they're always working within the same sort of house codes and the needle doesn't really shift to although there's right. like new approaches to maybe embroidery or different things mm-hmm. you can tell from a million feet away that mm-hmm. that's like a, you know it's about branding it's a branding exercise in a different way and in that what's can, being produced and
1: it can be good to change too but I, it's you know so it's not that I think that people should I just found change. that interesting that a, they 100 from their approach and it's also comparing let's compare just using your two examples like let's say an LVMH brand like Louis Vuitton and Let's take Rudarte you know these are two very different brands. they're different in their composition they're different in, in what reach. They, in their reach they're different in their the money backing them right. and you know certainly, if somebody wants to do a collection based on Japanese horror film, that's a hundred percent up to right. them like obviously, but you know LVmH is a different it's a it, these are these are all things that are not going to be for everybody across the board. Right. And LVMH, they're you know billion dollar business. Uh, it's it's completely different different section. But I, if you wanted to do let's say a collection, a Japanese horror film collection, if you can do it through the lens of who you are still, and not That's copying right. anybody, and still have it be something, even if it in its. Aesthetic doesn't necessarily resemble, but maybe in its like life and somehow that's what I mean. Resonates with the the people.
0: The inspiration can come from everywhere, but it's like the it's working within a framework that people understand and relate to as what you are and stand for. What are your values? But what
1: storytelling brand
0: architecture, but that story brand
1: architecture is storytelling. I mean, that's really what it is it's narrative building, and and when people like tri- I think something that we haven't talked so much about in this pod is the whole phenomenon of the trend forecaster, which has been around for many, Long- many years, and for people who I listen to this pod, I've applied for a lot of trend forecaster yeah. jobs
0: in my in my past, and I've all never have, been like. I think we all have
1: been like, <laughs> like trend forecasting listen, so because trendy. it's also this amorphous, like what does it mean? But it's very statistically based, and
0: <laughs> why won't they hire me? You know, I'm so it's trendy. creating
1: these things, and yeah. a lot of people were looking at very much the same you know, reports about what was going to be cool. And I think there was an automated, for certain brands, I'm not going to say which ones, Mm -hmm. I think there was an automaton idea of like, well, this is going to be big this year, so we have to make like short. Which is also very understandable because that's also necessary, you know? There are different types of brands, there's different things. I just, I guess what I'm trying to get at very long-windedly is that things are changing people need to get a whole new outlook on how they look at it. And, you know, when we look at influencers too, which is also part of right. what we wanted to talk about today, influencers, a lot of them were bloggers that matured into the new medium. Right. Uh, like Brian Boy. Or whatever.
0: Or your news source. I, you get all your news from Brian I really, Boy. I like
1: Brian Boy. Not just because he lives in Sweden right now, but I do. And he has he has something that, I, that I'm that i into, even though some people... Whatever. Anyway, I'm into it. Um, I don't take it too seriously either. And I don't think he does either. But I... Um,
0: I, I don't know much about it. I like... It. Yeah. Just, yeah.
1: No, but he was... What's interesting about him is that, to take him as an example, he was... One of the first bloggers. I remember him. To be uh, taken seriously. Right. And he was there before he was taken seriously. So he has this And that experience. was like a guffaw when that
0: happened. People were like not happy about people like him were, and Tabby in the yeah, front row. It yeah. was real. It was real. People, people had a real problem. I think there was yeah. like even a New York. Was it New the, York Magazine? There probably, were a few articles that were like. Who, who are these, these bloggers? People, who do they think they are? Yeah.
1: And that was also. I And mean, that's my that's a very actually thank you for bringing that up because that's a great example of bare knuckling holding on like holding on to the past and being like well you know there are two editors blankety blank and blankety blank who sat in the second row because of these people you know who who did you not invite that was good for the brand that had to then be replaced by these heathens And, you know, whoever put them there, I don't remember exactly what the details are, that was, you know, kind of brilliant. But what I was trying to say about Brian Boy is that he's been through every, personally been through every... Iteration uh, of influence? Every stage of this new Mm -hmm. internet influence, back from when he was no one. Right. And then created himself with this new medium, and then used the newer mediums to push himself forward. And I think that that's, so when he talks, talks about stuff, it's, you know, there is that experience there. Right. Yeah, of course. Um, I don't agree with everything he says. I think he said something, we talked about- We were just talking about him. Well, we were talking about him, but he, there was a New York Times article, I think about a year and a half ago, a year ago, where he was talking about micro-influencers needing to get paid for what they put out there. And there were certain things that I took issue with in that, that, um, because I- I do think that you have to also earn the influence to make it work for you. Right. It's got to be of, of value. But that's a whole other, that's not really what I wanted to get into. But anyway, using him as kind of like this measure stick a little bit because he's been through all these iterations. He's not just a new person who was probably born when he started and, you know, has now. How old is he? He's like followers. our age, isn't he? I think he's around our, our age. age. Yeah, yeah. I think so. He looks great. He does. <laughs> Look at taking care of his skin. But, you know, influencers and the whole idea of what a, think is interesting about the social media aspect is bloggers had this a little bit because it was supposed to be kind of this raw, this raw voice, Mm -hmm. but the social media aspect of it puts this kind of extra necessity for the idea of it feeling organic. Do you know what I mean? Like slice of life.
0: It's supposed to be real life, right?
1: Thing. And you know, from the, when people were bloggers, it was just that it was a new medium, but now that people have this, but not everybody had a blog. I mean, a lot of people had a blog, but not everybody well, had a blog. Seems- but now everybody is interact. Most people are on Instagram, right. have a profile, and so the whole thing just seems like something you can participate in in a different way. And
0: what you mean because we all participate because in we it all participate mean, or can? I'll,
1: yeah, exactly. Like I also can put up all these pictures, and I also can. You do put on a filter. <laughs> the, just I don't actually push that open. Um, and I, too, do Follow all us these things. things. And, and so because it. of that orga- organic feeling of it, things can get into, like, a little right. bit of a gray line.
0: In what way? What do you mean?
1: Well, like, for example, should I start talking Just about the Swedish? It. and yeah. you been so out this, about this last week. I did spin out about it. So <laughs> there's this Swedish influencer who actually also started as a blogger. Her name is Isabella Lowengrip. And right. she is... Very well-known entrepreneur now in Sweden. Very, she has like you know more than a half a million followers, and she sells she sells hair products. Oh, is yeah. Her is her major consumer outlet shampoo and conditioner, shampoo, and... conditioner, deodorant. Um, what else is she famous for? Hair treatments. And like, she was always facially. like a
0: beauty influencer. Is I don't that know. She was
1: always beauty. I think she was just that's her like, niche now. I think in the very beginning she used to have a blog called Blondin Bella.
0: Blonde and beautiful.
1: No, well, beautiful blonde, I guess. Yeah. And um, it, it became really big and she became kind of one of those like stars. And then she started kind of t- taking that down a little bit and really focusing on, I mean, she still blogs, but the entrepreneurial stuff and, you know, taking over the world and pushing forward. She became right. kind of like a little bit of a, you know, a star for women for business. Right. Right and uh deservedly
0: so I think I'm
1: not trying to tear her down I'm really not a lot of people have so that is a tendency Um, so it's not that I'm trying to be defensive when I say it it's just that that's has been the tendency for a lot of people to try to tear down because there's a okay so I'm trying to keep this as concise as possible because people are already bored because most people don't know who she is but they just to sum it all up big influence a lot of hubris like you know she's like this is my huge house and These are my, and that's fine too. She, you know, that's all fine. But, but the tone is very like luxury. Right. And then recently this summer, she's like, bye. She, in this like very well listened to Swedish program. She was like, bye Sweden. I'm moving because I'm coming to New York and I'm going to start selling my products in America. So like, bye. People are like, okay. And then she came back and never, didn't work out. And and she's been taking a lot of shit for it. So her businesses aren't going very well. The investment that she did in the United States didn't really work out very well. She went
0: bankrupt a little bit. Didn't one of them? I don't know.
1: One of them is bankrupt, bought by somebody else, hair accessories, like all this stuff. And she's taking some flack in the press because she's handling things badly. She was like, oh yeah, I had to sell, you know, I had to... Uh, fire my personal chef and this is before she had to fire half of her company which she right. actually ultimately had to do and people were just like oh firing your personal chef oh How blah, diff- blah, right. blah, blah. and so she took a lot of this flack in the press about it and I think her health has been affected and all this stuff but you know, stressful I'm sure for her I'm though. sure it's very stressful and I'm not trying to take away from that so the other day, I'm I'm looking. I follow her on Instagram, and she she quoted Maya Angelou, a Maya Angelou poem, which I love, called "Still I Rise." Mm-hmm. And uh, what did she, she say She did exactly? not. I have to go into the actual. She said, um, "And still, like air, I rise." I think is the quote. China I'll look it up but that's basically what it is this idea that she has to rise up through something to be whatever and I just read it and I just realized that nobody said anything and I'm like it's because a lot maybe a lot of people who follow her haven't read the poem or don't think about the poem or whatever I'm like you're fucking quoting Maya Angelou (laughs) this really and I'll say it like really white blonde chick like not attributing first of all the dealing with some the,
0: financial struggles in her personal yeah, life. Yeah,
1: she's fine. You know, she <laughs> sold her she sold her house and that's I'm sure really hard. And I'm right. sure she's downsizing and I'm sure that's really hard. But like it just you were upset because she's it just alighting struck, herself. It just with struck the me right the, con- the it just struck me the context of what she was saying, how she was saying and not even attributing to everybody can be inspired by it. Right. It's an incredible poem if you haven't read, read it read Um but it is you know it's just felt very off to me in a real way and i wrote about it i wrote a thing i wrote a uh, instagram uh, in english and i was just like listen like you, don't you think you're a public person shouldn't you be attributing your quotes right because it's an incredibly famous poem and by a very meaningful author not that that should have it you should always quote but and then two are you really aligning your issues in the same way as what my angelou is kind of talking about in this right. poem no. So that's a personal thing on my end. I think a little bit more in the very least fucking right. put that it, hashtag Maya Angelou. Like, right. fuck it. She didn't do it. She. I mean, there was no response for it. I actually like, and I went, wow, I got a couple, I got likes on the, right. the Instagram put, but I was just like, this is a real issue for me that there needs to be, it was a wake up call of like, what?
0: It really set you off. It really set me I off know, for like about it days. For a days.
1: <laughs> <Yeah>.
0: <laughs> we talked about this,
1: and I, and it's hard to talk about it with American friends because they are like, "Who are the? Who's this fucking? Who's this chick?" And I was like, "Her business failed in the United States, so you don't know her." Right. But I, you know, and I'm not saying that with glee. <laughs> But it's, like, that's... Kind of work. No. I just was, like, really, really pissed about it. And also pissed at the loss of integrity. And I'm not... I get
0: that part of it. I do think that you are... That she should be allowed to quote... Like, she has the freedom and liberty to say, like, this is. Hashtag my Angelou. And then
1: let's talk about why I'm angry. But, like, at least... Like, at least that. Right. At least that. Like, at (laughs) least... I'm still so no angry. I know.
0: <laughs> I'm
1: going to drink my La Croix.
0: Go enjoy your La Croix. Mm-hmm. So this led us down to a whole conversation that we were talking about today, which was obviously, like, <laughs> I'm like sitting here stewing <laughs> with my little paws in the air. I'm like,
1: Arr! the
0: responsibilities mm-hmm. of influence. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because also what happened today with Brian Boy.
1: Mm hmm. Different issue, Different issue, same idea in some ways. Where I was watching Brian Boyd, I think it's still up, but by the time we publish, by the time we publish it, it probably won't be. Um, but he uh, was talking about how, and I don't know the specifics of it. I didn't even look to see what it was, but basically, a lot of influencers are taking flack from people because they went to Saudi Arabia for some music festival and they were paid a lot of money to do it.
0: Right. To promote Saudi Arabia as a travel destination. tourist destination.
1: But we're not 100% sure who paid.
0: We're not sure who paid if it was the government or if it was... Right. right.
1: So we don't... Or if it was the people who are doing the festival or whatever But then
0: he went on to be like...
1: Well, he went on to say that he thought people who were criticizing them really need to check themselves because a lot of them were coming from countries who don't themselves have great human rights records such as... The United States and the migrant children on the border. And Uh, the way that, you know, gay people in some parts of the country are being treated. Right. And things like that. And I thought that that was fair. I do think it's a separate,
0: I think it's a separate issue.
1: It is and it isn't. I think it's part of a, I think it's, I mean, they're obviously in different zones on different levels, but I think it's part of a larger discussion about responsibility.
0: Right. And,
1: but I agree with you when we were talking off-pod about this, because we had a whole discussion about he, it earlier. I
0: mean, not the two of them, mm-hmm. I mean, more his criticism of other people criticizing the influencers for going to Saudi Arabia and promoting it as a travel destination. I think his criticism to hit back at people who are coming from the United States or from wherever country that they're coming from and to say, hey, your country does horrible things too. He doesn't know whether those people agree or disagree with whatever is happening in their own countries either. So I think that it's two separate. It's it's, yes, he is correct that there are atrocities across the, you Mm -hmm. know, which is an issue we should all talk about it or which is something you should know about your own countries and policies and things but i don't necessarily think it's the same argument because you just because someone's from a certain place doesn't automatically assume that they are not
1: no but i think i think what he's trying to i agree but i think it's he's talking about it as best he can within the dialogue that exists hypocrisy Right, but within the dialogue that exists, right. so they didn't say, "Hey, I'm, te- you know, I'm doing this from blankety blank, you know, and I know that here we have a lot of problems too." However, you know, pushing this onto an American audience when this, this, that, and the other thing, you, right. that there's no balance in the in the criticism, and then also if they're in the country, then in a lot of ways you are, you know, unless you're like complacent, you mean, or like not complacent, because I mean, we're all living. I mean, what do you be- want exactly? That's, I, I agree with that. But I think it's just the idea of if these people are making money off of this, then what are we all making money? I th- thought it was a really a contextual well, it's something thing. That
0: it is it is a contextual thing. It's something that we talk about often. It's like, know where your money's going in terms right. of if you're sitting around and saying like, oh, I, you know, I am full rights of, or I believe in rights of this and this and this, or I only buy green or whatever. But then you're going to a corporation who maybe this part of it is green, but then they're like one of the biggest... Um, polluters in like some other area or some other part or of they there. try to make everything
1: right. from organic materials but what they don't check to see how or much money the factory made by children yeah. yeah exactly you know there's like, so many
0: different areas so you just be i think it's all about awareness
1: i think it's all about awareness too but it does bring up this idea i think of of responsibility and you know i don't 100 agree with him i think that it's just something that we all have to Think about it in a different way when we when it comes to influencers, right. because there's no body at least with with let's say journalism. Nf- journalism or with magazines or whatever. There's a editorial board. There are people who are checking it or should be right. hopefully, and there's a, just a, a way of doing things that's almost I mean, institutionalized. And then with you know. Influencers, it's very much kind of a no man's land, it's and, a they've, no, it's and a they've, they've started doing, you know, with posts where people are getting sponsorship money that you have to say that this is an ad, right? And that's a good idea. I don't think it's being enforced completely in Sweden. It's actually been enforced pretty well. People have actually been. It's partially because people have been reporting each other, <laughs> but um, but yeah, it's it's pretty well enforced. But here, I I still see a lot of that not right. happening. Um, And that's a good way to begin, but I think that the whole structure of how we, you know, apply our critical thinking to media right. has to kind of get more sharp
0: and I think Instagram, it's like a tool it's like not a tool, but it's like yeah, you're, yeah, a tool. Not, you're a tool, it's used for a lot of young people use it, so if you're like a 12, 13, 14 year old, there's like you probably don't have the awareness of that this may not be real life, but if
1: you're, exactly there's that too, and I, I, mean, I mean that's so, the old, that is, so
0: education and, and awareness edu- is and
1: key. that's the old issue with fashion magazines too when people were like, you have skinny models I mean this is something that I heard when I was a kid. Kid, this and, big problem with skinny models on on magazines and that people were thinking they were real life and also in ads and you know now that almost seems like a benign thing
0: well in i think in england is it england you know they, they put mean. like an like they put
1: um if something's been rendered right, they have to say yeah. on
0: their advertisements or whatever this is whatever has been i didn't mean to say that the other whatever. thing
1: was benign because it's not a benign thing but it almost feels like old it's what an old thing? discussion. There's so many other things. The skinny models on Right. skinny models on costumes I mean, and billboards. A hundred percent. I'm just saying is that, that the conversation's still happening. It's just now we're talking about it across the board right. in a different way. It's not just billboards and magazine covers. Like, it's just pervasive
0: well and also that's the whole thing too is the that we're talking about in the beginning or earlier when we were talking about the democratization of fashion of like who the gatekeepers are it's like a lot of that in terms of the skinny model and the diversifying of the body and Mm -hmm. having that awareness having people be aware that you know images are retouched or or whatever is coming because people have spoken up
1: yeah and also are doing their own thing too which is the huge plus of having these mediums where everybody can use them where people are like i will not be i'm going to be body proud right and i'm not going to be pushed in some sort of corner and i'm going to do this anyway um i'm
0: old-fashioned i'm going to be body shamed (laughs) (laughs) sorry we have to just to wrap up because we're running out of we've run out of time but what were your top 10 moments what would you say are the top 10 moments of 2019
1: I mean, we I... made a list,
0: so we already know. Yeah,
1: you. Why don't you read? I don't even know. Okay, I'll go I'm through. I'll, I'll
0: go um, first. I think Carl Lagerfeld's death.
1: Yeah, I think that was big. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Impeaching in St. John, Nancy Pelosi all year. Also, just and really... you know, it's
1: funny because we talked about the St. John having a moment, and St. John, for the kiddies who don't know, is kind of like an as a brand that was made... What was f-
0: that thing, St. John by Mary-Marie M- Gray? <laughs> what was her name? <laughs> Kelly Gray in St. John with like a white tiger on the beach. With well, like back
1: in the day, St. <laughs> John, the woman who designed and owns St. John, only had her daughter in the ads. Kelly and so Gray. you would be like, who is this person? And they would buy all these ads in Vogue, and you would buy Vogue, and you'd be like, who is this person? <laughs> She's only in these ads, too. And it just became this kind of weird... Which I'm
0: into. I wish they would do that more.
1: But, but St. John, I mean, it's very well made. It's very expensive, and it's having a it's a having a Pelosi moment. It's
0: having a Pelosi moment. Love as Max Mara. Is, so like, mm-hmm. you know, get it. I can't wait for the State of the Union. <laughs> like yeah not as right. a fashion moment a, no just well that and that's good tv um cool. new bottega uh-huh. i think is definitely a 2019 mo. those boots so i'm looking for those like stormtrooper boots in uh-huh. black they had them at bergdorf i saw them i should have bought them but i didn't want to spend the shekels then they're sold out everywhere kids so
1: if you know where to get them
0: you know reach out He's and chill at gmail.com <laughs> um which, I, I, we should check that email We it. We checked it. Um, new Bottega. Mm-hmm. Uh, LVMH Acquiring Tiffany & Co. I thought mm-hmm. that was kind of a big story mm-hmm. of 2019. Interesting to see First them coming American to... company. I know. That's why I think it's kind of major. Mm-hmm. We'll see what happens with that. Um, this one was a you and I completely forgot about this, but I'm totally behind you.
1: J-Lo closing Versace. Oh, my God. Like, oh, oh, 100%. 100%. And, then, and also for people who are our age who remember when that the insane amount of press that dress got when she wore, when she was dating Puffy, Puffy like we're friends. Puffy. Um, oh, you just posted that dude. Did I? Oh, I'm yeah. sorry. <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> I'm sorry. Puffy, continue with your Puffy. Um, but like, uh, that was amazing that, that shot. So that was a huge nostalgia moment for anybody who was a teenager in the nineties, late nineties. It's um, kind of
0: funny that it's like still alive and well.
1: Yeah, I mean, she's fucking looks better than she, I mean, she looks, I almost think better than she looked back then. I know, I agree with you. So she just, I mean, she's incredible. Anyway, so yay J-Lo, happy 2019. I'm sure your 2020 is going to kick some ass.
0: I'm ready for 2020. Um, Pyre Moss and the B-O-F Beef, I thought that was a big story.
1: That was a really big story. If you didn't read about it, go back and Google it. We also potted
0: about it, so. We did. Catch up on your pods. Yeah, catch
1: up on your pods. (laughs) You should, we don't even need to, I know we're rushing through these now, but like, people just listen to the uh, yeah. whatever
0: it's fine diversity in fashion yep big, big deal big deal and
1: not just you know not just representationally in terms of models but also you know in new voices right? yeah exactly
0: Um sustainability is the new black
1: mm-hmm. everybody's talking about it
0: get into rightfully it rightfully so rightfully so there's a whole like more or less that magazine is like mm-hmm. all dedicated to like whatever more or less magazine and as in venue they like shop whatever find it do it get into it get into Um, it Tom Ford taking over the CFDA Mm
1: -hmm. although I think this is
0: a quiet one I'm waiting for like a some major news but
1: you know the CFDA is is a powerful organization and even if things aren't in the press I'm sure things are on the rise so I think it's certainly something to to watch and to see what happens under Tom Ford's leadership and, last... and it's also a big deal because Diane von Furstenberg had been doing it. Wow, I said that really fast. Diane von Furstenberg had been the head of the CFDA for a very long time, and you know, even just a change in that is is gonna. It's gonna be interesting to see what happens. I again. went to,
0: um, to just quickly. I went to a Vogue Fashion Fund dinner once with Tasha and I when we had Hester or whatever. Mm-hmm. We got invited, and so we were sitting there at the like in you know in the tables with, like, you're getting your chicken pot pie or whatever, and we're, like, eating, and, like, um, Diane von Furstenberg came up behind me, and she literally, I may have said this before, I think I may have told you, she literally (laughs) came, um, up behind me, grabbed me, squeezed me, gave me a hug, and, like, was rubbing me, and I turned around, and I was like, oh, hi, and then she was, like, she realized that it wasn't, whoever she thought I was. And she was just like, I hope you're enjoying your evening and like walked away. This is Just event. I know. This is the same event where Tasha went to the bathroom and Daphne Guinness was gluing pieces of, of white hair into her hair. It's Major. amazing. Amazing.
1: Like these are the kinds of stories that sometimes I'm just like, why, you know, but these stories are really, I think what, I don't know, we are rich in. I hope when
0: I'm old and I have like, Alzheimer's. It'll be like the notebook and you'll be reading to me from my journals when I was a young fashion editor. And
1: then when you went to the bathroom and I'll come back to Daphne life. Guinness was gluing hair pieces. I'll be Gina and Rollins look, and you'll be Hotel. <laughs> And then it'll be like then we'll have our moment and then you know Swans
0: will fly. Swans will fly. in a little boat. Anyway. Um and department. Becker said I was gorgeous. (laughs) And department store blow ups in New York City. We gained two.
1: We gained two, lost one. Lost one. Yeah. And I you know, honestly, the Neiman Marcus thing, Nordstrom is where it's at. I got to And Corso Como kids. Go to Corso Como I like Corso Como too, but it's a different It's a boutique. It's a boutique. Like the Nordstrom Corso Como is great because it actually has this eye that's really interesting but there was no one there so I would recommend it to you if you want to find something special or you want to be inspired mm. about it's
0: unusual it's,
1: it's unusual but Nordstrom's is I, I honestly was very impressed I was very impressed and if you guys very you know
0: need, stu- need to find a new place for studio services I feel like that's going to yeah. be the new hotspot they have like 100%. so many good things and from all press, you know
1: whatever. I was very I was really excited about what we found there. I think I said this in an earlier pod about s- some of the smaller designers or not very well-known designers that have still been around for a long time that are very much available in Europe um, that are not readily available here or we thought of as kind of like more right. boutiquey, more specialized, and they're on the floor at Nordstrom. And I, I was really impressed. I was
0: impressed. It had a broad suite of really amazing people mm-hmm. and brands. It didn't have a lot. They carry, I mean, they have a lot. They, they but didn't like, do big buys. No.
1: They didn't do big buys. And I would love to see they more They have like two little racks of like
0: Simon Rocha, Molly Godot. You know, of the people, of the right people, right yeah. names. But it's not like there's a big range.
1: Right. But there's no big range anywhere.
0: I mean, Barnes used to have like kind of a big range of stuff. You know what I mean? Like, and, like they... I know. All right, kids.
1: Well, that was fun. Twenty twenty, bitches. Twenty twenty. We'll do more pods in the in the beginning. We just wanted to make sure a little a little roundup, a little roundup, a
0: little roundup, um, and a little countdown.
1: Now I'm hungry.
0: Let's go get some food. Let's so get you want to go get something? Let's get something. Bye, I'm kids. Hungry.